0: Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Fearsome and generous, humble and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, here we we dig deep and we come up strong. We bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us there are some things that we just don't talk about, but not at this table. And no matter how hard judgment knocks, it cannot come in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week. We experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other. We have a firm belief that everyone not only has a story, but everyone is a story. So we share some aha moments and some stories that have been left in our pockets for way too long. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. Each week we start right where we are. The dress code is your authenticity and your inner awesome. And your belief that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. Finally, frankly speaking with Tyra G is my most ambitious dream, and I thank God for every remembrance of you and your gifts of ideas, your presence, and your encouragement. These are the kinds of gifts that inspire. I can't do this show without you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia. Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Fios, Channel 37, and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston. And we are webcast worldwide on the internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Now, should you miss us, no worries. You can catch our archive, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G, podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you just feel like connecting with me offline, it's easy. Email me at Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song. And for naming it, I'm Listening. For five years, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G has been telling thematic stories to touch the heart, the mind, and the spirit. They've been multicultural, intergenerational, educational, and inspirational. They've been told to you, my co-host, my listeners. Thank you for being here for me. However, during this ongoing season of uncertainty and unrest, we've all been touched by a fresh sense of fragility in ourselves and in our social systems. This has become a testing time. This is a time to realize that we're doing better than we think we are. This is a time to elevate voices of hope. This is a time to reimagine what is essential This is a time for believers to remember that the author of Genesis is also the author of Revelation. He is still in the miracle business. This is a time to be encouraged. This month, frankly speaking, is focusing once again on Phenomenal Women and how we embrace and manage our universal experiences, our rainbows and our clouds our courage, and resolve. We are a journey. We're not a destination. Life is a process. It's not an event. Even when we are still, we are motion, loving and serving and nurturing and encouraging and empowering. We are love, and love does. And yes, yes, sometimes... We get stuck between our no longer that familiar, the habits, and are not yet. We have not figured out in that space who we were created to be. And we may ask that question, am I enough? By the way, the right answer is a resounding yes. So for our common moment of mindfulness today, we're going to look at how external mirrors often mess with our internal worthiness. In the words of Life Coach and award-winning author von Vonsant, in her book, Until Today, written in 2000, I quote, Life will work for me when I accept. The labels placed on me don't always fit. Society with its structures, expectations, and divisions has fostered certain ideas about women. They're not always flattering either. There are many people who believe that strong women are not feminine, and that assertive women cannot be trusted. My all-time favorite is that women who exhibit any degree of clarity about who they are and what they want are dangerous. Don't forget it. The bossy woman, the domineering woman—of course, that makes her the V word. We won't bother to mention the myth that women are not as smart as men, and that they can't handle money as well. The point here is, though, there are some women who believe these things about women, and some of these are women. Labels define. Often labels set up expectations. Labels prescribe how much, how little, and sometimes how long a thing can be used. Labels are descriptive. Labels are protected. And labels can be removed. It just may be the time has come to take the labels off women. It is probably more accurate to say it is time for women to take the labels off themselves. In order for a woman to realize that she is more than a mother, more than a wife, more than what she earns, more than what she does to earn a living, she must know her own worth. It means she must test herself and her limits. A woman must learn to describe herself and establish her own expectations for herself. A woman must encourage herself. She must support and nurture herself. She must be willing to be disliked. She must be willing to violate the descriptions and confines placed on her. Now, until today, you may have been placing defining, confining labels of unworthiness on women. But just for today, think of women as people think of women as human beings and doing they are divine energy of God for any of you who follow me you know in my manifest I commit to encouraging and empowering women to walk in their worthiness I am amazed at the number of young smart beautiful women I meet who are not yet comfortable in that space well my guest today is doing the work with a servant's heart, empathetically listening to others' silence and giving when others are not are unable to ask. She's paying the dues and gracefully managing the rewards. Oh, but she has a story, and she's chosen her own title. Today, Ms. Louise Moulton will be added to our Catalog of Phenomenal Women in our human library. I have to tell you, she's here this week because one of my prior guests said to me, Tyra, you must meet Louise Moulton. I said, all right, okay. Then he went on to say she would be a wonderful addition to your Catalog of Phenomenal Women. Reach out to her, and you'll be inspired. And I did, and I was. And though it took a little while, at last I'm able to share her magic with you. Her story will amaze and encourage and excite anyone who has ever felt left out, left behind, or left over. But let me let her connect you with her personally. Louise, I'd turn the mic over to you at this point.
1: Hello, Tyra. Oh, I have a lump in my throat and tears in my eyes for that beautiful introduction. I'm so grateful. I, I, I almost don't feel worthy to be in the seat right now, but I am just so grateful for your encouragement that just brushed out any doubts from my mind. <laughs> and I'm very, very grateful to be here with you. I just I love hearing hearing your voice.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. I want, uh, we have international listeners and I want you to tell them where where you came from and why you have that beautiful accent.
1: Thank you. Yes, so 38 years ago I came from England from the southeast of London, about an hour southeast, from the county of Kent. And funnily enough, The first road that I grew up on was called Garling Road, which is very similar to Garlington, your last name. Yes. So I I recognized that right away. It was called Garling Road. Um, And so, yes, I grew up in, in a small little village in England and came here when I was 19 years old. Luckily, I spoke the language, but I didn't know how to open a can of Coke when I arrived. You had the new openers. And I had to ask someone for help.
0: (laughs) But that was just a short, short beginning of your journey. And uh, I think when we talked the other night, I said, Louise, Mm -hmm. your story is so powerful and it covers so much What do we want to really hit on? And I guess for me, I want to really start with the servant heart that you carry with you wherever you are. And maybe you start, we go backwards. Where did you just come from right before you got on the show? Let's start there.
1: (laughs) Yes, right before the show, literally. I, um, once a week, I teach some homeless and at-risk youth in Arlington, Virginia, um, they're ranging from about age 6 to 16, and I teach them guitar. And we have such a wonderful time. I mean, there's a little bit of guitar lessons that go on, but a lot of teaching the children to hold their head high. Yes. not be afraid to stand up and sing, to understand how their voice sounds out loud, to not, not be quiet. And to help the other children in the group, you know, because some of them really are struggling. When they first come in, many of them have their hoods up, they're zippered up,
0: they look
1: down at their feet.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: so for me to teach them guitar, it's not my first priority when they first come. I want them to be able to, you know, take their hood off, to start lifting their eyes up. Start noticing where they are yes and to feel comfortable where they are
0: Absolutely. and once they get
1: that then we start <laughs> start teaching them some chords and tonight we were just singing stand by me and everybody was singing the whole we probably had about 14 kids tonight
0: oh and it was
1: just it was so lovely you know they're from all over the world many of them are refugees they've had a lot of trauma and um, they just come in this room, and they know they're loved, and there's nothing wrong that they can do in that room <laughs> with me.
0: That is it's so special. And months. yet music is, is the universal language, you know. We don't really it have really to is. know the words, but the, the 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 sound. And I know who you are, and I know that you're just pushing and right. oozing love from you to them to say you're accepted. It's okay. You're safe here. Yeah. And yeah when you say they they're people that are homeless and refugees and mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah so how long have you been doing this
1: uh this is my fourth year now doing it Yeah. So i've been doing it four years and it's really grown it started at a, a small shelter in arlington mm-hmm. and then it's grown now to at-risk youth in arlington county so It it may not be children that come through the homeless shelter. It may be children who are just struggling, um, often teenagers, you know, who just want an extracurricular activity. It's offered free of charge. They um, get a guitar to use during class, and if they come to all of my classes, at the end they are able to keep the guitar and call it their own.
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, Yeah, they love that.
0: Now, here's my thing. How do you let them know that you're there, that, that you're there with your love and your music? How do you find that out? Do they advertise in the community to the uh, centers that, that, where they live, or how, how do they get to you?
1: That, that's a great question. So um, Bridges to Independence is the shelter uh, where we started, and they have connections through caseworkers and things like that in Arlington County to get the children to hear about it and honestly these children are a big uh, mega fun for the class and they invite their friends and their cousins you know maybe the, the children that live on the same apartment floor as them <laughs> so it's it's like um you know it just grows it really does grow and so we have siblings so word word does get out about this
0: absolutely yeah. and now we know how they get to you but how did you get to the program?
1: Oh, so I uh, this is uh, this is interesting. So I was very very busy in my real estate career. I was just knocking out sort of eighty hours a week, just very working too much. And on my Facebook, um, it came up saying um, we need a music teacher to teach these at-risk kids, homeless kids. And it says, must be able to play guitar and must have worked with children. And I could do both. And so I called the woman and she said, well, you sound too busy. You know, we're looking, what we're looking for is sort of an 18-year-old teenager. <laughs> you know, to do it. And I said, I'm your person. I am your person. I just, I had such a conviction. And I was so confident in that. I said, I am your person to help with this. And I think she was just taken aback. So that's how I started four years ago. And since then, we've hired instructors and, um, you know, yeah. helped other young people uh, teach. Because here's the thing, Tyra. Mm-hmm. Before this, I had a children's music school. Before I did real estate, I had a children's music school. Um, when I was a single mom, I opened it myself. I was teaching 250 kids a week
0: oh my music.
1: um and the thing is i don't read music <laughs> you're kidding <laughs> if you can believe that no <laughs> so wow. god moves in mysterious ways and yes. love to teach it's my it's what i love to do and i'm good i know i'm a good musician but i just can't read music it slows me down it gets in the way and so i just i'm confident with it now because you know i've with so many kids that I know it works. I yes, know. they like to learn, so I'm all right with it. You know Moses couldn't speak, that he? When he he was a stutterer, he didn't want to speak when he led the Israelites. So I can I can teach a few children.
0: There you go. It sounds like you taught more than a few. You let something yeah. slip in there, and I, I um I have a little bit of background, but uh, I happen to know that you have a very, 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 very successful real estate. Uh, It's more than a business now. But I want you to share when I was talking about life as a process, not an event. You didn't always have that, did you?
1: No, I didn't always have that. Um, I didn't. So, you know, I came to the country. I got married. I had children. And then in the year 2000, I was a stay at home mom with three kids. No credit score or anything. I just, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom. And in the year 2000, my 11-year-old daughter died sadly. She was killed in a um, bicycle accident.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And with, yeah. And within a year of that, so I had a 13-year-old, 11-year-old Hannah who who died, and then a 7-year-old Sophie. And within a year of that, my marriage ended. And I became a single mom and I didn't know what I was going to do. I just didn't know. I had the children and I walked past the building in Falls church, Virginia. And I thought, you know what, maybe I could do something in that building. (laughs) I Mm. didn't know what, Mm -hmm. but uh, so that's when I, I started my music school. I just thought, you know, I'm just going to give this a shot. And um, that grew, but I realized I wouldn't be able to put my kids through college. I, I couldn't get to where I needed to be in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so I got my real estate license. And then, of course, the market collapsed and everything. But I was so determined. I was so, so determined to make a go of it. And, yeah, I had a very successful uh, real estate career. God was very good to me. Um, I worked really, really hard. I think I was successful because I could outwork anybody <laughs> I didn't I didn't let obstacles stand in my way they motivated me Ob- obstacles motivate me
0: I hear um, that and, and I they hear that really give
1: up, you know? <laughs> <In> <laughs> and, fact, um, yeah yeah
0: I I was I was making a note here and uh I always mm-hmm. do this when I'm listening and I put faith after uh failure to go on uh when i was thinking about your story and uh want to express uh on air how sorry i am for the loss of your daughter and i i did another show where there was a loss of a child and we were talking Mm -hmm. about the grief process that families go through and you and i haven't talked about this but how did your children and you pull together after the baby's accident. What, what do you do? Mm,
1: it, it was very hard. I mean, it really comes down to you just have to get up every day. Okay. One foot in front of the other. Okay. And, you know, I, I lent heavily into my faith. I really did. You know, I, I did believe that, that God, even though I'd gone through something really tragic, Mm-hmm. that God was there for me I could feel it mm-hmm. I, you know I could feel it and it did it, it it, was such a hard time I almost can't put it into words but I knew that if I just would get up every day put one foot in front of the other do the next right thing
0: yes. and just
1: keep looking on my children that were with me still um, that it would work out I didn't know how it would work out at the time um because so it was a it was a bleak and dark time but i knew i couldn't give up yeah I knew I couldn't
0: give up i hear yeah. you and i know there are a lot of people in our listening audience this evening that maybe at that point that place stuck between the mm-hmm. no longer and the not yet and don't know what to i've been there i have been there yeah and for a short time i lost my courage my faith and everything And the journey back is what has made me so determined to talk to, yeah, my primary audience is women because I've seen so many broken. But to encourage Mm -hmm. and let people know they have a lot more inside of them than they're acquainted with, you know. And the getting up every day is important. That is so important. Open your eyes. Get up and say I am, and I'm just thinking, okay, yeah. you could do that, what about your children, you know, what was that like for them?
1: Yes, yes, it, it was hard, um, I, I moved my daughter out of the school that she was in with her older sister, okay, in the hallways, you know, in the hallways, she became Hannah's sister, the girl who died, you know? yes, yes, and, I hear um, you, uh-huh, and it was just, hard for her so I moved her to a smaller school but you know she's seven years old she's still <laughs> like to sleep and cuddle in my bed oh know? good she good good a lot and the beauty with the music school was after school I didn't need daycare for her because after school she would just come and help me with the children yes she loved that and if you put yourself in a room now my music school was six months old babies To 18 year olds. What? What did you just say? I needed (laughs) needed kids. It was actually, I said six months, but that was a slip. It was six week old babies. What? So it was six weeks to three months, and then three to six months, six months to when they start walking. Yeah, I had them in groups. And I would teach parents how to interact musically with their children for the babies, right? Yes. Well, wait a minute.
0: I have to ask you to put a comma there because I'm fascinated. I'm sorry. You can't just lay this out here and say, yeah. No, 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 no. I, you know, I love babies and I sing to them when I hold them. But I Mm -hmm. need to know, all right, I'm a mother and you've got my baby. What are you going to teach me that's going to help me musically interact with my baby?
1: Okay, so and especially if the parent isn't musical or doesn't consider themselves musical, they were my favorite parents. Okay. Because, okay. So, so I would teach them a lot of songs, and they had a CD to take home with the songs on it, so okay. it could be reinforced at home. Uh-huh. And so, with the baby on their lap, we would do gentle bouncing to the beat, right? So keeping oh. a quarter beat or a fast beat, right? Yeah. Or a legato or staccato. We could teach all the musical terms through the body with the baby. Yes. And we could do circle dances with the mothers and child or fathers. We had lots of dads at that time. Great. Um, you know, we would do circle dances where you make sure you step to the beat and you move to the beat so that these children feel it in their bodies, you know. And um it was absolutely wonderful. we would read poetry to the children. Oh it, yes, yes I know, know about that really focused on keeping a rhythm yeah poetry and um, all kinds of things teach them how to do little songs when they're changing them or brushing their hair or taking the bath. Yeah transition songs so that the child knew that something new was coming. yeah it was it was fabulous. It I was actually
0: great. um saw. I, it came on YouTube, and I was so fascinated. It was a baby sitting in a high chair, and Mom mm-hmm. had the TV show on. Uh, it was a concert with the three tenors, and yeah. uh, and the baby, she just happened to look over at the baby, and the baby's little leg was moving mm-hmm. to it, and the yeah. baby was mesmerized, never took the little eyes away. And, and then... Yeah. Uh, when they would stop, she was just, you know, what, what, don't stop. And then by the end, both of her little legs and <laughs> her little feet in yes. the wheelchair. And I, I was just fascinated. And I yeah. I know that when we sing to them and they, hear, yeah, in fact, what pregnant women sing to their babies before they're born.
1: And yeah. I, yeah. yeah, it's very good. And babies can match pitch much younger than we, we realize, you know, by six. A baby can match a pitch, sing it back to you. Oh my! It's incredible. it's incredible what children can do, you know. But um, so, so I did that, and then Sophie, my seven-year-old—well, she was by then eight. Mm-hmm. She would come in and help pass out the shakers and get the scarves and change the CD for me and things like that. And that really gave her a sense of purpose, and it showed her that mummy isn't. I want to have the utmost respect for for women that are struggling and maybe it really is hard to get out of bed. I understand that. But during this time, Sophie saw that, yes, something really terrible had happened, but Mommy still kept getting out of bed.
0: And Mommy is there for me. Yes, yes, Mommy's there there for me. me. Now, you have just introduced Sophie. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Louise during Sophie's pregnancy with triplets. And That's so, right. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, she, we were messaging one another, and she actually sent me a picture of Sophie pregnant. And, you know, so got to exchange that. And uh, yeah. tell us, if you don't mind, do you mind sharing the story? I'd
1: love yeah. to share the story. Okay. My first grandchildren. You're lucky you're not sitting next to me because I'd show you a million photos. <laughs> but,
0: um, well, give uh, us some uh, pictures. Give us some word pictures of those babies.
1: Yeah, word pictures. So, yeah, Sophie got married three years ago in England in a castle because she's a dreamer. She thinks big. Um, <laughs> she got married where, uh, where Anne Boleyn grew up in Hever Castle. So we all went over there for the wedding. And then... She, uh, she said, you know, we want to start having a family. And then the next month, she said, well, we're pregnant. So <laughs> she went to the doctor's. <laughs> and she came to our house and she said, uh, look at these pictures. And I said, wow, they took a lot of pictures. And I said, wait, is that twins? And then her husband said, look again. <laughs> and it was wet, completely by surprise. So um, I sort of put a grinding halt to my work because, you know, my family really is my priority. Uh, It it really is. And they moved in with us because they needed good medical care. And and they lived with us for five months. And in January, the triplets were born. They were nearly two months early, which is quite normal. So they stayed in the hospital for about six weeks. Uh, Three little boys. So We have William, Joseph, and Finn, and um, they're just, they're special. They're so great. They're healthy, um, and they're just so funny. They're so funny because they're so uncoordinated with their little nervous systems, and they just look like they're swimming (laughs) around all the time. (laughs) Yeah, they're really sweet, and um, she's moved back home now with her husband to West Virginia, so... You know, I'm missing them a lot, but I get daily videos. But, uh, yeah, anyone who's been around uh, multiples, it, they know it's a lot of work. It was a lot, a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I had uh, a uh, neonatologist in for a show, mm-hmm. and I met her some years ago, but before she was in her specialty. And she was telling me, uh, she says, when mothers when I am with mothers and their babies are with me, it's not a joyful time uh, because mm. there is a problem. And she said, yeah. I, I had to uh, learn how to broadcast empathy and hope, you mm-hmm. know, because the moms yeah. would come see the little babies in the incubators mm-hmm. and all, you know, and they were so tiny. and. Yeah. You know,
1: it's uh-huh. really hard time. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: extremely. Very
1: unnatural to leave a hospital without a baby. Yes. It's very unnatural. Yes. And when you have a baby in the intensive care unit, as they had three, every day they had to walk that long hallway back to the car with empty arms. Yes. And it was hard. And I mean, my focus, honestly, for the five months was just taking care of their needs, just the the parent. Like, the babies are lovely and everything. But just making sure they had warm tea or they had their space. Did they have enough time alone? Did they have, you know, meals? Were they eating okay? And was it a nice environment in the house with the soft music? Just really, just really, really having to not so much take care of, but nurture and be there for
0: and there's a difference. When
1: you're an adult, yeah, there is a difference.
0: Most and people don't know that, yes.
1: yes. Yeah. I had to learn it. And some days it wasn't easy because I would get in the way and I'd want to do you know, wanna do something they didn't want. And,
0: and you know um, what? You need to you know, need to say that. Uh, I I'm aware of and I'm sure you're aware of, a lot of times uh, yeah. grandbabies, you know, they're they're jewels, they're diamonds, they're emeralds, you know. Yeah. And and as a grandparent, you're going, oh my gosh, my legacy so teeny. I get to see teeny grow up again, and you want to be and care and everything. And then you've got parents yeah. that are going, uh, excuse me, this is mine. Yeah. But then there is yeah. that stage where those same parents say, here, you can keep them for a while. <laughs>
1: yeah we're not quite there yet but i'm sure there will be yeah.
0: absolutely well congratulations yeah. to sophie thank and you i haven't been able to tell her that but uh when she hears the program sophie congratulations okay. and let me put it this way you did good girl Mm-hmm. i saw those babies she did
1: so good
0: absolutely she
1: didn't complain once
0: well that's she amazing
1: complain once. yeah she's really really was an inspiration for
0: I wanted you to tell the Sophie story because you talked about the role she played as both of you were healing and how she came into your environment and helped you. And uh, that gave her a chance to watch you heal and therefore she would heal as well. Um, Tell me this. You have had a broad opportunity to love and to give and to share. What? What do you find makes you the person that you are today? Um, you know, they've got to be heroes and sheroes and and tattoos on your heart that, that make you Louise and not Tyra, that gave you your own special brand of who you are. Where did that come from?
1: Mm. So interestingly, I think a lot of it came from a, a difficult upbringing where I was um, very independent when I was young Mm. Um, and that hardship became my strength when I got older it really did and um, I'll I'll read a little something at the end of the show that explains a little more about that
0: okay But
1: a hero for me I, I remember A turning point was I was at a church, and um, the minister's wife came up to me, and she said, I think you should help teach music to our children. She didn't really know. She knew I sang in the choir. Mm -hmm. She said, I think you'd be really good at that. And I said, I can't even read music. I don't have a college degree. I gave every reason why. But she said, you should think about it. I think you'd be really good at it. And that planted, that was the first time at age, I don't know how old I was then, mid-twenties, uh-huh. where someone had really encouraged me with something. Hmm. I hadn't had much encouragement up until that point, if you can believe that.
0: That's and hard. It really,
1: yeah. It, yeah, I really didn't have, I had a grandfather who was encouraging to me uh, through music as well. But it was the first time a sort of a grown-up had said, something like that to me and i really took it to heart and i said i'll give it a try and i loved it so much that she saw it in me i didn't even know i had it in myself Mm -hmm. and um so she would definitely be a hero she was very encouraging and supportive and um just a cheerleader i think we all need that we need someone who's gonna just kind of cheer quietly you know I do. I didn't need any, like, uh, I didn't need to stand up in church and everybody clap or anything. That is not my, I don't like that at all. But quietly, she would write me little notes saying, I notice what you're doing. I love what you're doing. You know, and it, she would be a hero to me.
0: It um, sounds like, you know, so. I'm hearing encouragement, support. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that was one of my goals for this show, if there was yeah. some kind of way. I could be a cheerleader for my listeners. You know, I don't expect everybody to be inspired, but somebody. Like when yeah. I when I speak to groups of people, sometimes I'll get one person that says, you know what, Miss Tara? And then they'll give me a confession or something that's changed them and encouraged them, and that's so important. Mm-hmm. We all need those people in our lives, and... Um, historically we really well,
1: do I, I i feel like i have a lot of those people in my life now and i'm so so grateful what do I you really do? So grateful.
0: what what do you do now I'm, I'm just thinking about everything we've talked about before i asked this question mm-hmm. okay so i don't want to say your life has competing priorities but i think it does <laughs> yeah and I want to know you as a creative entrepreneur, with a family that you dote on. How do you manage that?
1: Uh, that's a very, that's a very, very good and insightful question. <laughs> um, so I have always put my family first. But obviously, when I had my real estate career that was so busy, that was difficult. But you know, I tried. I tried tried my best with that. Um, I think it's it's to know where your priorities lie, and to remember that this everything we have on this earth is just so temporary. Mm. And it's it's just so temporary. It's not important. Every the car I'm sitting in, the house I'm driving home to, it's just that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, none of that matters. What matters is the relationship and the impact that we have on other people and how we've impacted them. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really do try and keep that in focus. It's a little struggle I've had since I have really cut back on work is I realized that a lot of my self-worth was wrapped up in how much I produced
0: Oh, How say well that up. again. Say that again, because I know so many people. I, You know, I worked in corporate America, and with okay. IBM, it was like, what have you done for me lately, you know? Yeah. And it was never mm-hmm. enough, but say that again.
1: Yeah, so a, a struggle for me since I slowed down about six months ago now, you mm-hmm. know, to really focus on the family, has been that I a lot of my self-worth was wrapped up in, how much I produce and how hard I work. Um, I felt good when I worked 80 hours a week. I felt good when I sold X number of houses. I felt like, okay, I deserve to sit down on the sofa and relax because I work so hard. Mm. And now I'm not doing that productivity anymore. And so I'm having to get comfortable with and learn who the Louise is, who's comfortable rocking a baby or, you know, just not even doing that. I mean, <laughs> you know, they've, they've gone back to their home now. So how how has that changed me from going through 15 years of a whirlwind work life? Okay. You know, to now I have time on my hands. And I have to, I'm having to shift to say... Yes, I am worthy because of who I am, not because of what I do. Yes. I produce. Yes. Right? And that's that's been hard for me. I'm not going to try and make it sound like, oh, that was just easy. I was so ready to retire. I haven't really retired because I'm always thinking of new businesses. <laughs> People like um, you don't retire,
0: you just reposition. So,
1: yeah, I'm going to reposition, but who am I in the repositioning? It's, it's a person I've. I'm having to get to know, and it's not always comfortable because I feel, you know, because of lack of production.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't want us to jump over this because I think mm-hmm. this is more prevalent in women, well, in yeah. men as well, but I am a woman, so it's through my lens that I speak. Um, we have, okay, if you're a mother, okay, you have kids, that means you did a good job, you know. You did what you're supposed to do. All right. So then society changed. So you could be a mother and you could be an employee or entrepreneur. Okay. Then you would, you know, then stress became a whole new thing for you. You know, how do I manage priorities? Oh, my gosh. And you were married. Oh, dear. Okay. Marriage, family, work. How do I do this? Mm -hmm. Well, you kind of figure Mm -hmm. out a rhythm. And then your end date for... Uh, being a a caregiving constant for your mom because the kids are out of the house. All right, so it's you and your husband Mm -hmm, looking at each other going, what? Who are you? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's a constant changing landscape. And I think uh, for me, the hardest thing was to learn to separate my circumstances the things I was doing from who I was and not to get confused with what I was doing saying that was who I was and for the longest I I thought people would look at me and say oh that's Tyra and I thought because I went somewhere I did this I knew these people Mm -hmm. I had this that was me no I was so lonely and emotionally isolated because yes. I was not comfortable with who I was, and that was a journey, yeah. Louise. That was a journey, mm-hmm. and it yeah. wasn't easy.
1: I believe that. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, we've got I to become.
1: That it takes time, and it's always a journey, isn't it? You yes. Just arrive one day and say, "Well, here I am." <laughs> you know, it's always going to be a journey.
0: And I think we've got to have enough courage to be mirrors for one another. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, like when I've heard, I heard this the other day, someone was saying, well, I'm just, and somebody says, oh, I'm just a mom. And I said, excuse me, Mm -hmm. if you are a mom, you're a CEO, you're a doctor, you're a program manager, you're a social worker, you know, uh, excuse me, there's no such thing as just a mom. I want you to flip your script. Mm -hmm. Step up and say, I'm a mother. I'm all that and more, you know. Yeah. Don't get me on my high horse. This is your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That's terrible. But uh, I will say, Tyra, what we're told to do, I'm not sure is the answer. You know, I think uh, the message, I think the whole self-care thing is important. I do. However, I, I think we as women can get the message of well, you just need to do more self care you know you need to take care of yourself and do things for you and you know all this sort of thing okay. I'm not sure I think that can leave us emptier
0: saying because, that now wait a minute I want to make sure I understood you uh, yeah. there's a lot of propaganda out there mindfulness and self compassion you're saying mm-hmm. laying that label out just care for yourself does not necessarily yeah. make you move through grow into that person uh that feels worthy am i putting words in your that's mouth all right it?
1: that's exactly right that was very well said i think we can think it is what we're supposed to do and there's certainly a place for it but i think until we find where our gifts are where our strength is and how can we use that to help somebody else yes always going to be feeling unfulfilled
0: Absolutely. No amount
1: of no amount of mindfulness, yoga, bubble bath, candles, or whatever it is, is going to make you feel better. It just won't. It's a temporary fix. But when we can start tapping into what is it that is unique about me that really lights me up, that's kind of something that's a passion in me that mm-hmm. I can share with somebody else, once we go down that road, mm-hmm. we stop. You know, we, we start healing, I think.
0: And what you said then is once you begin to have that conversation with yourself, your inner self, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. there's a lot of external stimuli that says, oh, if you do this, if you do that, you know, uh, yeah. this will happen. Uh, and then you set yourself up because you do this and that and it may not happen. The it that we're talking That's about right. is peace. <laughs> If you yeah. can just sit and be with yourself and feel like you are enough. In fact, you're probably more than enough. If you can feel worthy in that space of peace and quiet stillness, then you're there, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. But I do know I do know this. Um, I ask you when we must have talked Sunday or Saturday night, I think. And you told me you had been on a silent retreat. And I said to myself, okay, all righty. I don't want her on a silent retreat when we talk Monday night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm quite an unlikely person, even though I do (laughs) like silence. I think silence is a good way to spirit. I really do. (laughs) to God. Um, But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's. During one of the afternoon sessions, we were all supposed to be silently walking around the garden. And I, I walked and got a hot chocolate and a cookie. That's because I saw a little coffee shop. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I probably failed that activity. But, you know, I
0: think <laughs> silence is important. No, you too. didn't. You didn't fail it because what you did <laughs> no, was you yeah. separated what you were doing, right, from yeah. who you were. And yeah. at that moment, you were hot chocolate and a cookie. You were not planting. You I know? was. And, I was, And, I and you know, you, you, we've got to kind of congratulate ourselves, even with the things like that, you know. Let me, let me ask you a question because you're also a dreamer. Uh, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Now, we've been talking about how wonderful women are, how strong we are, uh, how compassionate we are. What we don't do, I believe, is let one another know it's okay to let one another know that they are good. To let one another know they are doing very well uh, but let me ask you this what would you do based on the kinds of things we talked about this evening what would you do if you knew you could not fail hmm.
1: if I knew I couldn't fail yes What would I do? (laughs) I might need longer to think about. I'm always thinking those things. Um, If I knew I couldn't fail, I would probably want to start a, I'm sure someone's done this already, but i do another one, a a musical um, experience for children through all walks of life. Not just the ones who can afford guitar and piano lessons or music lessons. I got you. I would want music to be available to every single child that wanted music. And
0: what I just, it just came to me, what we don't realize music is available to all of us. All you have to do is hear the birds or the, you know, the winter. But what I hear you saying is, I want to have this magnificent environment. And no matter yeah. who you are, if you are yeah. a child, come and experience music.
1: Yes, and express yourself through music.
0: Express it your thoughts. It
1: doesn't have to be, you know. It doesn't have to be um, Julia or um, Broadway. It can just be express yourself through yeah. music. I love and it. and it's available to everybody. Yeah. Where
0: are you, gonna, are you going? Are you going to so. do it in the
1: country? I don't know. I don't think there's enough children there. I think it would. I think it would need to be a sort of uh, inner city type thing. Okay. I really do. Okay. Because just, the arts are just yeah. Well, but maybe the country. Maybe maybe they can come on a bus and you know like come for a weekend or something of music
0: retreats. You know? Like you went to a silent retreat. retreat. Yeah, a children retreat. from everywhere could come to a music retreat
1: course everyone could come for a silent retreat i, don't think, that would go. I think
0: that would fail <laughs> i think it would especially if they're children but we're not going to fail because i'm going to hold you to an assignment i gave you which was to share your letter to your younger self you
1: remember that yes i
0: do okay
1: are you ready to share my friend I am ready to share. I'm sitting in a dark parking lot with a light on my words. Okay. So I'm ready to share. <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay. Dear Younger Louise, or Lulabelle as your father used to call you, what a journey your life has been, taking you from a little country village in England to the nation's capital of the United States. You didn't like to make plans as a little girl, and you are that way now. Yet there was an author who directed your path
0: and never left
1: your side. As a child, you would stay up late and squint in the darkness at the book you loved most. Your grandpa had given you an illustrated Bible, and although your parents didn't go to church, and they didn't believe, you believed every story and... and sank into God's word like a cat who finds a soft familiar pillow in the sunshine. You felt his love and knew you were his. This knowing took you through some difficult times in life, heartache loss, grief, and deep disappointment, but you knew you weren't alone. You trusted in the one who said, I am with you always with that childlike innocence that came to you so long ago. You were given the beautiful gift of music that has carried you all along. Sometimes loud classic rock to work through the hard feelings. Sometimes a gentle lullaby to sing a baby to sleep. Sometimes an old hymn to wake up the heart. And sometimes an aria to remind you of your mother or sweet friend. Like a child that clings to an old-worn blanket for comfort, so I have clung to God's love and the music that brought my heart so much joy. I'm proud of you, Louise, that you stayed focused on the things that matter most and didn't stay in the shallow end of the pool. You swam to the deep end where you had to trust and risk and experience everything you could. So, you could share with those who are afraid to let go of the edge. Younger Louise, let me sit at the foot of your bed and hear the stories you love to read and remind you that you were loved from the very start and the music will never stop playing.
0: Wow. Wow. That's
1: what I have for you.
0: Wow. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Well, let me take that, take that, take Miss Louise and the gifts she's given us. Let me add a little something to those of you who may find yourself this week at some point saying, I'm tired of being tired. Maybe you say, is this all there is? Maybe you do ask that question, am I enough? I want to leave you a little something to give you a little bit more warmth and confidence. It includes a note from love, also known as God. And it's offered by author Glennon Doyle Mellon. And I quote, stop, stop holding your breath, breathe, there's enough. I've created an abundance of acceptance, attention, recognition, joy, peace, money, energy, clothes, food. I will never leave you without enough. And there's nothing to be afraid of. No feeling, no circumstance, no person. These things come and they go. And you can live through them without running or hiding or numbing or hurting another one of my children. And did you know this, my angel? There's never been anything wrong with you. Not one day in your life, you're exactly who you were meant to be right now as you are. You're not to be ashamed. You punish yourself, but you have no reason to be punished. You can stop now because you're free. When you were born, I put a piece of me in you like an indestructible, brilliant time. I placed a piece of me in you. It is love. Love is perfect, and it is untouchable. No one can take it away. You are love. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. on Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, with my special, special guest, Ms. Louise Moulton.
1: Louise. Thank you so much, Tyra.
0: You're welcome, my love. Your seat at the table is guaranteed. Until next time, I'm here and I'm listening. This is Tyra G. Bye.